What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on X at KyleYNFL. That is Derek Tate. You can be found on X at Derek Tate NFL. Derek, I will come back to you in a second because I am joined today by our very, my very special friend, Garrett Price. He can be found on Twitter at, oh, I messed it up, at on X at Dynasty Price. This is going to mess me up. I'm trying to switch it up. It's not working. Dynasty Price, Garrett, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. I still call it Twitter, too. It'll, I, and you can even just, you Google Twitter and X pops up. So it's still kind of Twitter. So I'm good with it. Hey, listen, we all three of us host podcasts regularly. We've done thousands of podcasts. You guys know that once you settle into a opening routine and a you try oh, to switch yeah. that up at all. Nope, not going to work. Derek, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing OK. I'm, I, I feel like I've transitioned well from Twitter to X and, you know, saying formerly known as Twitter, you know, putting on my uh, host voice right now. But I'm settling in. Speaking of settling in, I'm really excited to be able to talk a little bit of dynasty fantasy football. This is kind of where the true degenerate fantasy football portion of my heart lies is with dynasty fantasy football. So excited to get into it. We are kicking it off into high gear here as we talk through some dynasty buy low options. I love these kind of conversations here as we take a look ahead because the dynasty fantasy football championships are not one. They are obviously a big portion of it is one in season with your start set decisions and all that. But setting your dynasty roster up for success starts now. So let's go ahead and get into it. Before we do, though, before we talk about some of those buy low options, I did want to pause and just kind of take a look at the main landscape here from a dynasty standpoint. One of the most interesting case studies, I think, moving forward is going to be the Rams running back Kyron Williams here. I did want to pause and just talk about Williams here and say, how should we be valuing Williams moving forward in Dynasty? Because the production this past year, it was Christian McCaffrey on a points per game basis, and then it was Kyron Williams right at his heels. Like, absolutely ridiculous, emerging out of nowhere. I loved him coming out of Notre Dame, but then Falls does nothing in his rookie year, and then emerges onto the scene in a big way this year. But this is a sub-200-pound back, should not be doing what he's doing. So, Garrett, I'm going to throw this to you first. How should we be valuing Kyron Williams moving forward in Dynasty? Yeah, Kyron was a guy that that I'm with you. I, I liked him quite a bit coming out of uh, Notre Dame there. Had him as a, a top five back even after the poor combine performance, the low draft capital. Still thought the talent was there. But, yeah, he looked like, you know, after year one, it looked like, oh, man, it just probably isn't going to work out for him. Comes out of year two, gangbusters, just crushing it, uh, getting all the work. And, look, I think at this point you have to look at the age, which he's only going into year three, so obviously still a very young back in the NFL. And he's getting something that very few backs today are getting, which is he's getting the full workload. Is there always a chance that they could bring somebody in and, and goof that up? It's entirely possible. But you look at this Rams team, and there's a lot of other needs on this team moving forward. It's not like they're a team that's a running back away or anything like that. And with as well as he played, I don't think that they're overly motivated to try to move him uh, or, or add anybody to that room. So at this point, I think he's pretty locked in as a top end guy. I currently in my dynasty rankings have him as running back seven. And you could put him as high as probably running back three or four. And I probably wouldn't argue you, but I have him at seven right now, very firmly uh, as a top tier running back one. Derek Garrett talked about that dynamic with Kyron Williams receiving the right. bell cow workload. And you often looked at box scores after the game and you were just like, did any other running back play for the Los Angeles Rams? Because <laughs> it was literally like 20 carries for Kyron Williams and then no other running back <laughs> saw work. So 
What are your thoughts here with Kyron Williams moving into next year and beyond? So we've seen a track record in the past with Sean McVay featuring a back in his backfield. Now, granted, there's been a a few outlier years where they kind of went by committee, but in the past, we have seen him commit to a running back when he feels confident that one can perform at a high level. And boy, oh boy, did Kyron Williams perform at a high level when he was on the football field. And you mentioned, you know, on a points per game basis, as far as fantasy points per game, only trailing Christian McCaffrey, Kyron Williams had averaged more touches per game than Christian McCaffrey this year. That bell cow type of exclusive role, in particular in a productive offense, is just so uncommon in today's NFL. So his pass-catching skill set, his production, efficiency on the ground, yeah, he may be an outlier when it comes to his combine metrics and prospect profile, and folks like to try to use that information to try to get an idea of what you know, a prospect that looks like he does transitions to the NFL and he may be an outlier, but so was Austin Eckler, you know, so, so were other smaller backs that we've seen produce at a high level when they get the opportunity. And it it wasn't just his touches per game. His efficiency metrics were off the charts too. yards per carry. I think he was the only, like only Christian McCaffrey, as far as players that saw like more than 180 carries this year was the only other player to average like five yards per carry. It may have been 200 carries. I forget what it is, but uh, basically a leading back. It's not common for him to average, you know, more than five yards per carry yards after contact per attempt. All of those things speak to the type of, exceptional season Williams had it wasn't just purely based on volume it was the fact that he was playing at a very high level I I, I'm with Garrett I would be okay with somebody putting him as high as running back four ish maybe three if you're really aggressive I have him at running back six I think setting up for next year and with all the volatility that goes up and down at the position and a weak running back class heading into this 2024 NFL draft I think Kyron Williams is set up for more success in another top 10 fantasy season at the running back position next year. Well, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Derek, you have him at running back six. Garrett, you have him at running back seven. I have him at running back eight in my dynasty rankings. So right there, six, seven, eight. I think the the main point that you said there, Derek, is crucial, right? It's not just that he was this featured bell cow back, but he also delivered on that, right? He was incredibly productive and efficient with that opportunity, which leads me to believe, and it sounds like all three of us are in lockstep here, that the Rams are highly unlikely to add significant, significant competition to this backfield moving forward, which gives us confidence putting Kyron Williams up within our top 10 there. The NFL playoffs are rolling along, and that means there's an opportunity to get involved in the action. ESPN Bet is live. Secure $250 in bonus bets by signing up with the link in the episode description and use the promo code PFN, and you will instantly have $200 in bonus bets in your account, plus another $50 within 24 hours. Must be physically present in one of the 17 states that legally have ESPN Bet for bonuses. 21 years or older and present in participating states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Additionally, we've got the podcast rolling here. We've got the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash PFN Fantasy. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the bell to get notified for when our new content drops if you're watching over there. But all of our written content, and it is just continuing to pour out here over at pfnfantasy.com. Individual dynasty profiles. Derek is diving in headfirst into the incoming class here and putting out profiles on all of those players. So make sure to check that out, pfnfantasy.com. Guys, let's get into Dynasty by low options. Love these conversations. Let's kick it off here. Derek, I'm going to send it to you first. Who is that first player that as you survey the Dynasty landscape, you are saying, man, I think I can get this guy for a little bit cheaper than where his value is going to be down the road. 
So the first person that came to mind, and I, I played in a lot of super flex dynasty leagues. So sometimes my mind goes to the quarterback position like immediately. Bryce Young came to mind. He did. And I can still make a case for him. But the team that holds the number one overall pick of the Carolina Panthers is the Chicago Bears, which means Justin Fields' value is currently a bit uncertain. We don't know what they're going to do with that number one overall pick, which means is there a guarantee that Justin Fields is going to be a starting quarterback in 2024? Right now, you can make a case that there's not a guarantee that he is going to be the guy anywhere if he does get traded. I do think he's going to be a starter, though. I'm very confident in Justin Fields' ability and I believe if he were to be put in the right situation, whether that he stays in Chicago uh, with St. Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator or someone gets their hands on him somewhere else and can set him up to succeed better than what we saw in his you know tenure with the Chicago Bears, I still believe Justin Fields has an immense fantasy ceiling and the uncertainty around his immediate future in 2024, I believe, means you can probably get him, him at a discount in QB, one QB leagues, of course, but even in super flex dynasty leagues, I would be trying to see what that price tag looks like for Justin Fields at this very moment before we enter the draft process. If you are looking to go acquire Justin Fields, we do have an absolutely free dynasty trade analyzer here at pfnfantasy.com. So make sure to check, make sure to check that out. You can find the ideal trade offer in just seconds. Garrett, the, I, with Justin Fields, the conversation is incredibly interesting because it feels like there have been excuses made for for him for, I mean, as long as he's been in the league, right? It's been it's one excuse after the other where he doesn't have the receivers or the offensive line is absolutely putrid or then the play calling is is abysmal with Luke Getze. Like all of these things are kind of lined up here to say to give outs on Justin Fields. But yet at the same time, we have seen top five production from a fantasy standpoint because of his rushing upside and what he presents there. Do you think that if he does land in a different spot where he has, I mean, it, it can't get much worse than Luke Getze is the offensive play caller in Chicago. So do you think if he does land in a different spot where we could see that consistent upside for him moving forward? What are your thoughts on Justin Fields from a dynasty standpoint? If you want to make arguments about Justin Fields, the NFL quarterback, I'm willing to listen to that. Justin Fields, the fantasy football quarterback, is a very good quarterback. He's got that rushing ceiling that just absolutely eliminates the gap with a lot of other quarterbacks that might be slightly better passers of the football. But I think that was the big thing that I was really encouraged by with Justin this year is we saw him improve greatly in his passing. Those games before where it was, 120 yards and two touchdowns on the ground were now games where he was throwing for 300 yards and four through the air, you know? So, so we saw kind of that shift with Justin Fields where he really is becoming a much more complete quarterback. And I do, I believe that, that wherever he goes, whatever team's going to acquire him, it's very unlikely that they're going to be willing to pay the price tag to just have him be a backup quarterback. Right. So he's going to be getting a starting job somewhere if it's still with the Bears, we know that on a points-per-game basis he can make it happen with the Bears, so there's no worries there. But if you were to go to a team like the Falcons, the Steelers, like there are opportunities for him to do very well. So uh, I'm a fan of Justin Fields. Uh, I've been advocating for him for a few years now, and when on the field, when healthy, he's produced pretty well. 
I would love to see Justin Fields in Atlanta with those playmakers. Bijan Robinson and Justin Fields out of the same backfield would be absolutely incredible. Filthy. Derek, before we move back over to Garrett for his number one dynasty bylaw, I did want to ask what's sort of the premium price that you're going to say, okay, at this point, I'm kind of out on trying to acquire because I think the value, and I understand why you're bringing him to the table because there's uncertainty. We don't know what the future holds for Fields, but there's at any point, you have to be able to say this is too much to go acquire Justin Fields. Let's take it from a Superflex standpoint. In a Superflex league, is a top five 2024 rookie pick a little bit too much of a price to pay for Justin Fields? In a Superflex league, I mean, we're talking about the... I, I think that there's a teardrop at at the 107. So my top my top six, and, and Garrett, please check me on this if you think that my tiers are a little bit off here, please. No. Uh, I've got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels is kind of that top three tier. I do have Williams as my 101, but, you know, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, I think it'll depend a little bit more on landing spot, but I do expect them both to get top 10 NFL draft capital, which is very important. Then Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors. I have those two as kind of elite options. I have Brock. I'm super high on Brock Bowers. So I think that that 106 is the top tier. As much as I love Justin Fields, I'm probably not going to give up a top six pick. But once I get to that 107, you start getting into Romo Dunze and some of the other, you know, vastly talented wide receiver prospects in a very deep wide receiver draft. And, and you know, talk about maybe Bo Nix or, you know, Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy. I'm a, I'm a little bit more apt to give up a, anything in the late first for Justin Fields. Yeah, and of course, it obviously depends on how much you need a quarterback in the Superflex League, because if you do not have quarterbacks in the Superflex League, you are not competing. Garrett, let's send it to you. Number one dynasty by low candidate going into the 2024 offseason. Yeah, I was surprised uh, when I was doing my research on, on this potential by low. I was surprised. And, and what really kicked it off is, you know, me being, being a degenerate, I, of course, am already in a startup. It's uh, it's a it's a best ball league, so that helps a little bit. Uh, but it's uh, it's a dynasty best ball, and I'm going through the first few rounds, and I get to round what round was I in six, I think, and I'm trying to decide between this quarterback and this running back, and uh, I was asking you know my my buddy Rich from Dynasty Nerds, what are you thinking here? And he's like, well, who's still available at tight end? And I was like, oh, all the good ones are gone, of course. And I clicked the tab, and I was like. Never mind, we're good. I'm I'm taking a tight end here. And the guy still on the board as the seventh tight end off the board was TJ Hawkinson. And I was like, this must be this must be an anomaly. This is this is weird. The, the, maybe these guys are really, you know, worried about injury prone. I, I don't know. Like the ACL thing. I don't know. So I go to our Dynasty Nerds ADP. So we we track ADP every month. And on here as well, at now it's a little bit higher. But tight end four is TJ Hawkinson, but he's literally back-to-back with McBride and Pitts as well uh, in the overall ranking. So pick 40, 41, 42, all tight ends there, Hawkinson, McBride, and Pitts. So very common to see him going off the board as tight end six or later. For me personally in my ranks, I have him as a top two tight end. When you look at a points-per-game basis last year, not not counting the game that he left early due to injury, he had the most points per game. Like, he was the number one guy in PPR. Look, maybe you'll have to be a little bit patient because he'll be coming off that injury. Maybe you have to wait six weeks, eight weeks, whatever. But when he comes back, he's the number one guy. You can make an argument for Sam Laporta. I get that. 
maybe maybe Kelsey bounces back from his poor end of the season. But either way, in 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 fantasy football at tight end, you're either a have or you're a have not. And I'm willing to pay up to be a have because once you get outside of that top like three, four tier almost every right. year, it gets really ugly. So if I can pay these bargain prices for TJ Hawkinson and I just have to wait a little bit for him to come back from this this ACL injury because we know at tight end, those quick twitch things aren't quite as significant as they are at running back and receiver. So if I just got to wait a little bit and you can give me a top two dynasty tight end, sign me up for that all day. As I try to sift through that and think through like, why would that ADP be depressed a little bit? Why is that a little bit lower? Because I've got TJ Hawkinson at tight end four in my dynasty ranking. So he's right <laughs> there and it is Sam Laporta, Mark Andrews, Trey McBride, Trey McBride, TJ Hawkinson. I think the concern for a lot of people will be the uncertainty at quarterback. I think the uncertainty at quarterback for Minnesota moving into this offseason where Kirk Cousins could potentially be playing elsewhere. They could be looking to reset, go younger at quarterback and make a potential big trade up to go get, uh, you know, one of these, you know, maybe it's a Jaden Daniels is still there, at, you know, outside of the top five or in this next upcoming draft, whatever that looks like. So what are your thoughts on that, Garrett, as far as this yeah. could be potential that he's playing with Jaron Hall as a starting quarterback next year or a Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix? You know, what are the concerns there for T.J. Hawkinson? Uh, reading the tea leaves a little bit based on, uh, some comments that that uh, Minnesota has made, some of the comments that Kirk Cousins has made. Cousins basically came out and said he'd be willing to give a hometown discount to Minnesota. So when you already have a player saying those types of things, it sounds like there's already some things in work, some things already in place. I do get that nothing is guaranteed, nothing's for sure. Things can go left quickly. So you never know how these things are going to play out, but I feel pretty confident that Kirk Cousins is going to be back in Minnesota. But either way, I think just, just on raw talent alone, TJ Hawkinson's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. So if we have to wait a year for Jaden Daniels to develop, or we have to wait a little bit for you know wh whoever in free agency they bring in, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be able to make it work with whoever's there. All right, TJ Hawkinson is Garrett Price's number one dynasty by low candidate. Derek, let's send it to you. Number two, where are we going here? So my heart wanted to go with someone like Garrett Wilson, who has not had a super explosive season yet, kind of two wide receiver, two seasons. And while I think it's been super impressive because of what's been under center there at New York, I decided to go with, I mean, he's still like a, a top 10 <laughs> fantasy asset at the wide receiver position, according to most, um, you know, respectable dynasty sites and, you know, consensus. So I'm going to go against the grain. Christian Watson, and I understand his 2023 campaign was disappointing, would probably be an understatement. Um, the thing is, is that I still believe it was an injury plague season. That hamstring inch issue basically cost him what felt like the entire 2023 campaign. And there's going to be a lot of competition for targets all of a sudden with other young wide receivers um, with Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, even Dontavian Wicks and Bo Melton all of a sudden. Uh, and then, of course, two very talented, uh, you know, young tight ends as well. So, but Jordan Love is still what I feel like is potentially an ascending talent at quarterback. And it looks like the Packers may have hit gold on three straight. We'll see if that's the case. Certainly his finish to the 2023 campaign was very encouraging. And he still has all of those 
athletic traits that I believe give him a very high ceiling. And if this offense is going to continue to either produce at the level that we saw the back half of the 2023 season or even take another step forward as they continue to kind of mature together, Watson, who had only brief flashes this season, still has that capability. Maybe he's not the alpha target earner, but I still think he's going to be a productive cog in this offense. I still believe that he's got the highest ceiling of any of these receivers, maybe not named Jaden Reed in this offense. Uh, And I believe based off of his really disappointing 2023 campaign and kind of being phased out, even the playoffs in, you know, kind of in favor of Dontavian Wicks and Bo Melton and some of those other young pass catchers. I think that he's going to be flying completely off the radar. And I feel like you can get him at a significant discount at this very point and still believe he has plenty of upside into 2024 and beyond. Well, we talk about it in dynasty all the time that you are not buying into situation. You are buying into talent because situations change, but the talent level remains there. And we see that with Christian Watson. Now, is he the most refined route runner? Absolutely not. But as far as the athleticism and what he brings to the table, yes, that talent level is there to buy into. And then I think, too, you do have the situation where you pointed it out, the ascending talent in Jordan Love. I think this offense is only going to continue to improve. In these disappointing seasons where a player does not live up to expectations or in particular, they've been injured pretty much all year and they're not available right now. Christian Watson's dynasty value is absolutely rock bottom. Like, I think this is a move where you can send a late second round pick here to go get Christian Watson onto your dynasty roster, maybe even less than that to be able to go get him and then see how this situation plays out. The talent level is there. He's only in his just coming out of his second year in the NFL. I like this move. It might not hit. It's not a guarantee that it's going to hit and that he's going to be the wide receiver one or wide receiver two in Green Bay next year. But buy into the talent, buy into the athleticism. And then also, too, don't forget that we play in Dynasty where we're playing two to three years down the road. Christian Watson could be playing elsewhere down the road, and he's going to be a more integral part in that offense. Right now, the value is at rock bottom. I like the call. Garrett, let's send it to you. Number two, Dynasty by low candidate. Yeah, uh, if you listen to the Dynasty Nerd Show, you're 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 very familiar uh, with me talking about this player. We actually recently did buys. I I avoided doing this guy because I talk about him too much, but this audience doesn't hear me as much, so you know I get to I get to I get to go back to the old favorites here. I went with Ty J Spears. Uh, I'm a huge Ty J Spears fan. Loved his tape coming out of Tulane. Uh, I, I even had it to a point. Now, granted. This player is fantastic. It was clear for me in my uh, in, in in my rankings coming out where I had Bijan as the top guy, and then I had Spears and Gibbs in the same tier. Uh, I love both of those players. Gibbs obviously had a fantastic year, and Spears, when given the opportunity, did nothing but produce. He looked fantastic this year. Obviously, when you have somebody like Derrick Henry, he's going to get a lot of work, but in his opportunities, he made the most of it. So. Uh, I'm really looking for him to take a step forward this year. I think there's a good chance that this team, you know, now with a new head coach, the likelihood of Derrick Henry being back seems pretty slim. He kind of in his last press conference kind of gave his his thank you to the city, and it, it really sounded like his, his last hurrah there. So we'll see where he ends up. Uh, but just going to the talent, one, I think that's there. Two, now I think the opportunity is going to be there. I think he is going to be the lead back. Maybe they bring in somebody to help out, you know, take some carries here and there. But I do think he's going to be the lead back. And right now, there's nobody really in-house to do that. So they will have to go into free agency or into the draft to do that. So there's no natural fit there. So I think he has that leg up in that sense. But 
one of the biggest things was it was a recent development. Brian Callahan coming in, uh, I think, is great news for Spears. Uh, the way that they've used Mixon over the years, uh, but even bigger, more than likely, this means that Brian Callahan is going to get his father, Bill Callahan, to come and coach that offensive line. Bill Callahan is the cream of the crop when it comes to offensive line gurus. Every stop he's had, fantastic offensive lines, most recently with the Cleveland Browns. We'll see We'll see if they're able to pry him away. That there's rumor they might even have to like trade a late-round draft pick just <laughs> to get uh, rights to have Bill Callahan on their team. But you, you, f- you feel like there's got to be a way where he gets he gets connected with his son. So if that's the case, that helps improve what was a pretty poor offensive line last year. Yeah. But whether it's in the run game or the receiving game, which Spears looks fantastic in, I think Spears is going to be a really, really effective weapon in 2024. As I was listening to you talk about Tyshu Spears, I, one of the things I looked at my dynasty rankings, two players that are very, very close in the rankings are Tyshu Spears and Najee Harris. Right now, Garrett, which one would you rather have in Dynasty? Because that's a really, really close decision where you've got the path there for Tyje Spears. The talent level is there. Najee Harris with Jalen Warren in a crowded backfield. What do you do here in a Dynasty? Which one would you rather have, Tyje Spears or Najee Harris? It's funny because I almost put Najee as another buy low. So he is, is a guy uh, that I kind of like when we saw uh, the, the second half of the year, once Matt Canada was gone, they really leaned back into Harris and he looked good. Uh, but for me, it's definitely Ty J Spears. Uh, when you look at the running back landscape right now and in the situation uh, that it's not going to get much better uh, with this draft class. So most of the guys are, are going to be the same guys uh, this, this off season. I would put him right now and in, into my top 12 running backs. I, I would have him right at 12. Um, so I have him up in that like Rashad White where people are taking Rashad White, uh, my boy Javante, uh, Eckler from, you know, he, he's trending downward. Like I would have him right in that top 12 area where I have Najee a little bit further back. I have him at about 14, 15. Um, so very close, but. Uh, I'm I'm real high on Spears. The reason why I ask that is because I think the value for Najee Harris is still significantly higher in consensus dynasty leagues than it is for Ty J Spears, right? The production's been there for Najee. Ty J Spears is a bit of a gamble. It's a bit of a risk. We haven't seen it truly take place uh, with an increased workload here. So that could be a situation where if you are a believer in Ty J Spears, you send away Najee Harris and you get Ty J Spears plus a late first round pick, plus an early second round pick, right? You're able to move down a tier where it actually isn't that significantly, you know, significant of a downgrade, and you recruit some uh, draft capital there as well. It's the reason why I wanted to dis- uh, discuss that. Derek, let's send it back to you. Number three, Dynasty by Low Candidate. You know, when I heard Garrett talking about Callahan, it made me think about Callahan brake pads from, from Tommy Boy once upon a time. But anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll move on. Uh, so speaking, staying at the running back position, you know, Tajay Spears was certainly somebody that I really like his outlook heading into 2023. I feel like savvy dynasty owners are going to have a hard time partying with, with Tajay Spears. But certainly the fact that he didn't have an explosive rookie season means that you can, if you can get him at the right price, get some running back, running back. For, for what production. it's worth, running back 22 right now uh, in their ADP. So uh, if you're taking him anywhere as high as I would, uh, <laughs> you're, you're getting a couple round discount there. There you go. Uh, so, but I'm going to go with Kendry Miller. And I still think he's a very talented back. And we saw a little bit of like a little flash, a little glimpse at the very end of the season from Kendry Miller. And 
the crowded nature of this backfield at this very moment right now makes it to where I don't think Kendry Miller demands a super high price. Like, I, I mean, certainly Tajay Spears, I think, is way farther up the board than Kendry Miller is right now as far as ADP and what the price tag would be to be able to acquire uh, either of those said players. With Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams and the cap situation that the Saints find themselves in, which they have one of the worst cap situations in the entire NFL heading into the offseason, we don't know exactly what some of those financial moves are going to be to move into the 2024 NFL season. So could it be Kamara? Could it be Jamal Williams? Could they move forward with Kendry Miller? Those are, you know, within the range of outcomes. And Miller still has the talent. I loved his profile coming out of TCU and, you know, how young he was coming out of college as well. I believe that, you know, better days are ahead for, for Kendry Miller in this offense and still feel like he's a very talented player that you can get at a discount at this very moment, which is why he's on my buy low list. I love the call here as well, because Alvin Kamara, that cap hit signifies, I, I don't think Alvin Kamara plays another game in a New Orleans Saints uniform, that, that salary cap hit. So this could be potentially Kendra Miller, Jamal Williams' backfield next year. And Jamal Williams did nothing this past year to indicate that he should have a significant, significant role moving forward. Kendra Miller, the far superior talent, in my opinion. I love this call where you can get him absolutely dirt cheap. Did nothing in his rookie year. We're talking a third round rookie pick. I think that you can get Kendra Miller onto your roster and to see what happens here in New Orleans moving forward. Garrett, let's keep it rolling here. Number three, Dynasty Bilo candidate. Where are we going? Yeah, I'm going with Marvin Mims here. Uh, Marvin Mims taken in the second round by the Denver Broncos this past year. And he's kind of become a little bit of an afterthought for people, uh, which I'm not 100% sure why. Currently, uh, wide receiver receiver 57, uh, according to ADP right now that we have at Dynasty Nerds, taken in the 13th round, which I can attest is pretty accurate because I literally just took him in the 13th round of that startup. Uh, So so it's pretty accurate. Uh, that, That is where he is going. Uh, when you look at the situation for the Denver Broncos, I know that there's a little bit of uncertainty. And I think that's when there's uncertainty. Those are the moments where you can really capitalize. We don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. Uh, it seems like they're going to have to figure out a way to make this work. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, that whole situation has been weird and wild. And trying to project it is going to be really difficult. Uh, but what I do know is Jerry Judy seems like he's kind of on his way out. Uh, he, he's got that one last year left. It hasn't gone super well. They can get out from Cortland Sutton this year. And every time he was on the field, every single time Marvin Mims was on the field, he was making explosive plays. When you're looking at yards after the catch, when you're looking at just uh, yards per catch, tops of the league, tops of the like, he was making big play after big play after big play. It was a travesty. They didn't get him on the field more. But I think with that draft capital, same head coach, I think that they're going to find a way to utilize him more in this offense this year. And this is a guy that could easily go from what is currently the team's wide receiver three, four to potentially the two and maybe even the one uh, on this team this coming season. So I'm really curious to see how he's going to perform this year. But this right now just feels like an absolute steal getting him at wide receiver five six prices right you look at marvin mims right now wide receiver 44 in my dynasty rankings you said what wide receiver 57 
in ADP right now. So, I mean, uh, even just signifying that, like that is a massive gap in the way that I view Marvin Mims. And I'm not even particularly high on Mims, but when you look at, because the target volume was not there this year, like there is some projection, but when he did get thrown the ball, man, you saw that talent level and you saw the opportunity there. We'll see what happens here in Denver moving forward. That quarterback situation, I think will play a big role in that, where if it isn't Russell Wilson, who are you pivoting to, right? Who's going to be that quarterback in Denver? We'll see how that all plays out. But right now, buy at absolute bottom prices and see how this all plays out. Derek, let's send it to you. The fourth and final Dynasty Buy Low candidate. Speaking of buy at the bottom price and uncertain quarterback situations and all kinds of other uncertainties, even when it comes to the coaching staff, that fits pretty much check the box for every single one for Jahan Dotson. Uh, yeah, Dotson, Dotson, we got Dotson here. We're talking about him as the buy low candidate that, you know, watching him play and as just as a prospect, I think this kid can play. I think the talent is there. I really truly believe that he can be successful at the NFL level. They threw the ball a ton though in Washington this year and he finishes the wide receiver 56 and played all 17 games. That was he didn't emerge and separate himself, certainly not from Terry McLaurin, who was still the alpha target earner there. And he kind of got muddled in the mix with Curtis Samuel and, and even Logan Thomas at times. It, it was a weird season there in Washington. Certainly there are changes on the horizon. They have the number two overall pick. As much as I like Sam Howell, we saw got the full Sam Howell experience in 2023. <laughs> Reminded me a lot of what he did at North Carolina. And now they're going to have their choice between probably Drake May or Jaden Daniels or any of the other quarterbacks in this class. Um, we're going to have to wait and see what how this all plays out. But even, you know, is Terry McLaurin going to be in town with Washington? Is he going to want to sign up for another year of this stuff and, and feel like he's part of a full-blown rebuild when he's pretty much in the prime of his career? We don't know. I mean, is Logan Thomas going to continue to be a, a, an integral part of this passing game? We don't know. I mean, Curtis Samuel, sure, he's been a nice player, but feel like he's we kind of know what he is at this point i still believe that there's an opportunity that could present itself for Jahan dotson to see an expanded role and produce at a higher level than what we saw last year i know it was a disappointing season i still believe in the talent and similar to christian watson folks who invested high draft capital on this young man right. you know two rookie drafts ago have probably been very underwhelmed with his production and could be willing to move off of him at a significantly discounted price which has me optimistic about Jahan Dotson heading into his third year the situation in Washington is going to look a lot different this year uh this next year than what it did this past year as we right now as we're recording this all signs are pointing to Ben Johnson the Lions offensive coordinator being the head coach of the Washington Commanders which would just be absolutely phenomenal and then you add in the rookie quarterback the top two selection plus they have nearly like a hundred million dollars in salary cap space five picks within the top 100 of this next draft this situation could turn I mean, could turn around very, very quickly here. Garrett, what are your thoughts here? Your fourth and final dynasty by low candidate. I have a feeling that they're connected. Uh, yeah, you you have a, a very accurate way of looking at this. Uh, yeah, they are connected because I, I went with Terry McLaurin. Uh, it's very similar reasoning. Uh, you mentioned Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, best offensive mind that was available out there uh, for, for most people. We saw what he did with the Detroit Lions. That offense was absolutely humming. Uh, currently, Jahan Dotson, for what it's worth, wide receiver 39 uh, off the board as far as ADP goes. So no problem with that. A few spots higher at wide receiver 33. Uh, we have Terry McLaurin. 
And for a lot of the reasons we, we just talked about, Ben Johnson, Drake May coming in there, I, I fully believe that Drake May, uh, if he's the quarterback or if it's Daniels or, you know, if Drake May goes one and Caleb Williams, at two, whatever it is, any of those three quarterbacks are going to be a better situation than what they had this past year. Uh, and, and right now, the reason that I went uh, Terry McLaurin over John Dotson, because I considered him as well. The only reason there is he did just recently sign a contract. Uh, so he's, he's, he's probably not going anywhere. Uh, they do have a potential out after this season, but even if he does go somewhere, he'll be 29, 30 years old at that point. So he's going to be ring chasing. So if he goes somewhere else, it's going to be to a different situation with a good quarterback. He's not going to go somewhere with a bad quarterback that doesn't right. have a chance uh, to, to get some wins. So I think wherever he ends up landing is going to be a solid situation. Uh, so so I'm in on Terry McLaurin. He's very consistently good, but I think with the right quarterback, like kind of what we saw, I, I get it a couple years younger, but what we saw with Nico Collins and, and, and C.J. Stroud this year, I think could be a very similar situation to Drake May and and, and Terry McLaurin. I, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say, in that situation, there's probably room for more than one receiver to eat, which would then put you know Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson both at kind of reasonable buys if an offensive coordinator can come in there with a young quarterback and have a similar amount of success as Bobby Slowick did with C.J. Stroud this season. I was just about Absolutely. to say, like, I don't think that this is a situation where you have to choose between Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Like, I think that there's cheap. room for both. Both are dirt cheap right now here with the arrow potentially pointing up significantly, significantly higher in Washington going into 2024 and beyond. All right, that'll do it here for Dynasty by Low. Price, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule, jumping onto the podcast here. What do you got going on over at Dynasty Nerds that people need to know about and where can they find and follow you on social media? Yeah, we've been doing all kinds of stuff lately uh, over at Dynasty Nerds. We have more content coming out than ever. Uh, every single week, we, we've got extra shows coming out now. And, of course, my good friend Jared Wackerly and I, we're working on that nerd score uh, for 2024. So excited to, to get all these prospects graded and, and give those numbers to the people. Absolutely. Again, pfnfantasy.com for all the written content here where you can also find this trade analyzer. Absolutely free, an absolutely incredible tool, not only for your redraft trades that you are looking to send for next year, but also dynasty customizable league scoring. Everything that you need here to make sure that you are sending your dynasty roster up for success over at pfnfantasy.com. All right, that'll do it for Garrett Price and Derek Tate. I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time.